Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. It's all about those small wins. When somebody finally like understood what you said or like when you kind of finally got that little deal that you've been working on, like those small wins like really, really make it work. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Betyong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. I am now feeling better. I thought I had COVID. I did not have COVID. It's just sip on if you... Sorry, I'm sharing too much, but again, I'm I'm glad to be here with you today because we have a very, very special guest suggested by our very good friend, Mr. Mark Kuiman of uh, Foxmont Capital. And again, let's welcome to the show, Senor Christian Munoz of DSH, Draper Startup House. Nice. Wow. What a welcome. Uh Good, good Spanish, right. by the way. I like that saying. Again, Christian. I've been w- watching a little bit of Narcos lately, so my, my Spanish <laughs> is still on point, right? <laughs> so it's pretty good. Again, Christian, welcome to the show. It's good to be here, man. Finally. Finally. Sorry again. So just, just provide context. We tried to record this a couple of days ago, but I my big nose was stuffed with things that are not supposed to be there. So I had to take a pause. Finally, we got this out. And again, we're very, very happy to have you here. But before I get carried away, Senor, mi amigo, I need to ask you the million-dollar question. Christian, what's your hustle? My hustle? So I would say that is the constant pursuit of uh, uh, learning, experiences, culture, just meeting new people, being in different places, uh, feeling out of my comfort zone. I think that's my hustle and that's what has built me as an entrepreneur. And that's why I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, You know, you get to do a lot of things. You get to be put out of your comfort zone uh, quite often. So (laughs) I guess that's, that's my hustle. That is amazing. But before I get carried away, I need y'all to buckle up, my man. We're going to have to ride the hustle share time machine. (laughs) 
All right, we are back in Latin America. Now, I want to understand prior to you becoming, you know, part of Vapor's Startup House, right? And I want to understand what was it like growing up in Costa Rica? So, yeah, I mean, I think with cousins, right? Like, I think the Philippines and, and every Latin culture, uh, we kind of have like a similar sort of like culture, like, you know, like the, the Spanish was part of us. We have a strong American influence. Uh, right. But yeah, going back to like the time machine, like, yeah, I grew up in, in Costa Rica in the 80s. Right. Then, uh, you know, normal family, like middle class, very, very like rooted into the Latin kind of culture, like, you know, family oriented, like big yes. family, similar to the Philippines. Yep. Uh, on my mom's side, we have uh, 11 brothers and sisters and my dad's wow. side, eight. So, uh, yeah, similar to what a Filipino family looks like. That was like, you know, like my family and like, you know, Christmas is always crazy. There's like so many cousins. Right. There's so many people. Uh, it's a bit hard to remember the names when like I have a girlfriend or somebody that comes to this new to, to, to <laughs> meeting my whole family. It's, uh, it's always an adventure. Uh, right. But yeah, just for context, like, you know, growing up was very similar in terms of culture to, to the Philippines. Uh, the Philippines remind me a lot of uh, growing up in Costa Rica. I think mm. like the Philippines today reminds me a lot of that. Obviously, like, you know, way more modern. But I think some challenges that the Philippines experience and the cultural mindset is things that uh, remind me of uh, me growing up in, in Costa Rica. What would those be in terms of like the challenges? Because again, uh, we're both Spanish colonies at one point. There's a heavy Spanish influence. And yes, we tend to have big families and extended families. And what that eventually does is that it allows us to be really competitive at an early age <laughs> because, you know, resources are scarce. You have to hustle. And, you know, if you said that it's going to come from a middle-class family, regardless of how tight that family is, you also have to compete for your own, you know, spot at the totem pole per se. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so I think some of the things that I feel like it's, of culture, we just kind of touched a little bit about like how similar it is for the Philippines. But I think also like there's some sort of sense about like the fascination or that kind of like the mindset of like we were at some point uh, colonized. Uh, so sure. there's like that uh, image of like everything that is foreign, it's better mm. at some point. And I think that's something that uh, I think Costa Rica, I mean, growing up was more towards that direction. It has changed or maybe I have changed and sure. like managed to appreciate more of like the, the things that makes us special. And, and I think the Philippines is going through that transition. Uh, I yeah. see it when I talk to younger people, I see it on uh, the ecosystem and the startup scene. I see it on yeah. the entrepreneurs. I see it on a lot of people going back to the Philippines and, and actually seeing back the roots and the opportunity. Uh, so I think that in that sense, like we're very similar, but like I feel like in Costa Rica happened a little bit earlier and now I see it in the Philippines and it's, it's very exciting, very promising because, uh, you know, I just see all the things that the Philippines has to offer. And I'm very excited that we're part of that with Draper Startup House. And like, that was like uh, the things that drove me when we were looking for a, for a place to set up, like, you know, a hostel for entrepreneurs. It wasn't easy. Right. Uh, it took me quite some time, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, going back to those origins of Costa Rica and like the Philippines, I feel very connected uh, to the Philippines, even though we're mm -hmm. so far away, but you know, I, I look Filipino, like people like even start talking to me in Filipino. So I need to <laughs> my, my Filipino skills. I wish, I mean, you guys speak better English than myself. So it's hard for me to learn Filipino, you know? So, uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. Hopefully when I, I, I'm actually right now in Costa Rica, but I hope planning to be back uh, a couple of months. So that's one of my targets also to start learning, learning more of the language and get to really know more about the, the culture. I feel like the language is, is very important. Absolutely. But other than, you know, uh, the culture being set, it's good similarity. So the, the adaptation that you uh, did with, uh, you eventually went here. I want to understand what's your first exposure to your hustle or to, to entrepreneurship as a, because at the end of the day, a lot of the uh, early hustles you did also still happened in Costa Rica when you were there. I want to understand what those first hustles that you did and what were your early influences over like previous bosses or mentors you've had before that really let an indelible mark into what you do now? Yeah. So going back to the machine, right? Like I, I started like that book of uh, entrepreneurship started when I was a kid. Uh, okay. I was that little kid. Like we didn't have lemonade stands in Costa Rica. We had more. Uh, Limonada. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. We had like, I think it started like we, we had some farms, right? And when every time we go back home, like we always carry a lot of uh, fruits. 
And mm. we were like giving it to a lot of our uncles. And like, you know, one day I was just there and like, you know, people ask, hey, are you selling that? And I said like, sure. So then, wow. uh, you know, I set up a little stand outside of my garage and like start selling. And everybody that walks through, like I ask him, hey, you want to buy some mangoes? Hey, you want to buy some yuca? You want to buy some pineapples? Wow. And then uh, it was just organic. And then like got my sister involved. Then my brother was kind of like taking care of the money. And then like nice. he actually scaled a little bit to a point that my dad started like taking some money away from us because we were like, <laughs> going That's being the hustle crazy. of a parent right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he even started charging like gasoline and stuff. So he, so he kind of started... <laughs> putting some fundamentals there about like being smarter, like cost. And like, you know, you also kind of have to be better how, how you manage your money. But, uh, but yeah, I think that was like the early stages of me, like sort of like being that kid that, uh, that was curious about like, okay. just, just wanted to be in front of people, talk and, and sell. Uh, mm-hmm. Then, you know, I, I kind of followed the path uh, going through like, you know, the high school, like high school. Mm-hmm. And then I always had that book like of, of going abroad. So when I was 17, I actually went, live one year in Canada uh, oh. where I wanted to improve my English and actually learn French. Um, Got it. So I lived in Ontario and in Quebec. And oh, that was wow. a very eye-opening for me. Uh, right, you know, right. Costa Rica is like a very comfortable place, it's like a vacation. It's like small, it's, right. it's cozy, like it's it's easy to get very comfortable. And yes. and I didn't want that to happen to me. So so I look into Canada as, as an option then and like, you know, it really opened my eyes, make me a lot more independent. Uh, took me out of that comfort zone uh, mm-hmm. and then I actually went back for university and then like same thing happened like I kind of felt that I went back to that comfort zone and then the yeah. real hustle for me happened when I uh, applied for a scholarship in China oh all the way to China yeah yeah so that's like the furthest that I could get like you know for us like coming from Latin America there's even songs that talk about China like going to like the moon it's like something unknown like we don't really understand anything about it it's right. just very far and it's just so distant that we don't really understand it. And that was always like very interesting. I was always like passionate about the culture and like everything that was going on in China. I'm talking about that was like 2006, 2007. Uh, so right. yeah, that was, that's where like the real hustle be- begin for me because, you know, that was the perfect scene to start from mm-hmm. zero, like zero contacts, zero skills, no language. Like, you know, I was just there like hustling in every sense, like, you know, even like to eat. Like, you know, how to order a dish, like, uh, point, uh, I, I went to China without knowing even how to say hello. Uh, wow. so that, that's when the hustle began. I stayed there for seven years and actually what? started around seven ventures, like almost like, you know, companies that I kind of try different things and like really, really get to, I would say like living in China is, is like multiply, right? Like, cause also like being so out of your comfort zone, like one year, yeah. felt like three years for me. Uh, hmm. So it was a very, very cool experience. I really enjoyed it, but I set up the time like 10 years was going to be like my investment. I, mm-hmm. I knew that China was the place to be. I know that was a long-term mm-hmm. investment, but I knew if I want to stay more than 10 years, it was just going to get uh, a little bit too distant from my roots, from, from home uh, and probably Got just it. stay there for forever. So I, I feel like that was cool for 10 years, but not like, you know, for, for 30, 40, 50 years. Now, that's what I wanted to ask now in terms of, thriving in a totally alien environment where you didn't know the language and had no network and literally zero and having to worry about what you're going to eat, how you're going to survive. What were the key things you did? Because again, this is something that not a lot of people thrive in. A lot of people, again, I mean, from a Filipino setting, there's a big Filipino diaspora spread across the world, but that diaspora is typically looking for opportunities for employment. And that's already hard. A lot of people struggle in that. More so as a student and eventually an entrepreneur, that's, you know, a hundred times harder <laughs> to even thrive in a, in, a, in, a, in a country where, you know, your roots are not the same. You can't even speak the language properly. What are the things you did right? And what are the things you also struggled with to even get to the point of success? Yeah, well, I think the first year was very difficult, right? Like you feel like you're an idiot. Uh, you feel like you're trying to, when I was in, in Quebec, I guess I learned like French fairly quick. Uh, yeah. uh, it's similar to Spanish, but Chinese, like, I mean, right. it took me about like two years, right? Like you feel like this, I mean, yeah, I'm, like two years studying like every day and like feel like still people, even the taxi driver wouldn't understand what I was saying. Right. Uh, so it was a very, very good challenge. I think what I learned or like that hustle was like, you know, just keep trying. It was that resilience. Mm. Uh, but also hard work to me, like people say like, oh yeah, like it was easy for you. Cause you know, you speak a lot of languages. You're like, uh, right. 
very smart. And I was like, I was always saying like, well, not really. Uh, you know, I still have to study like eight hours uh, every day. Right. I was always working. Like since I got to China, I actually uh, was 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 being a consultant and I was always doing things on the side for, for, for business. Uh, mm. So I was just like, you know, make the sacrifices that uh, instead of like going out like every weekend, uh, I was taking a flight and do an inspection to a factory mm. or like, you know, going to business meetings. Uh, so wow. I think the way that I see it is like, you know, you just kind of like know what you want to do with your path. Uh, being mm. out of your comfort zone or being somewhere that different, like makes you put things into perspective and may, mm. maybe make that bigger effort. Uh, and that's what drove me like going out of Costa Rica at some point. Cause I feel like here I would just ended up like going to the beach surfing every weekend. <laughs> uh, it's cool, right? Like did that like growing it's up. A vacation like, place, my like, man. One of the best tourist destinations in the world, right? It is. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the more that I got that into that, like more addictive it got to me about like that, that hustle and that difficulty. And like, uh, I guess like those, it's all about those small wins. Right. When somebody finally like understood what you said, or like when you kind of finally got that little deal that you've been mm-hmm. working on, like those small wins, like really, really make it work. Mm-hmm. Even like after two years of like trying, trying and feeling like the, not depressed, but like feeling like things are very difficult. Like you're alone, right. things aren't working out. And like, you know, same, same as, a, as, a, as an entrepreneur, like, you know, it's, it's a long ride. Uh, I was just thinking like earlier today, uh, like it's almost going to be 10 years uh, since I wow. really became like a entrepreneur when you set up like your first company, many different companies. And like, still like you feel like, you know, after 10 years, this is like the time that you really feel very mature, like, you know what you're doing and like, you cannot project for the next 15, 20, 30 years uh, of your career. Uh, and it's a long path. Like, you know, every time like I speak with, with younger entrepreneurs or people that are in their first venture, I try to tell them like, you know, this is, Part of the path, like, you know, it's a long ride. Like, this is really what you want to do because, you know, I think same applies to you and to a lot of, like, the people that are entrepreneurs, like, you know, for a longer time. Like, we were entrepreneurs when it was not cool to be an entrepreneur. Like, what was cool was to just go and like, get your corporate job and, like, you know, be stable and, like... Clock in and out. Yeah. So, like, we were, we were like, thinking things differently and it wasn't cool to do what we were doing. Like, you know, it was just... People didn't understand it. Uh, some mm-hmm. people even don't understand yet. Yeah. But uh, I think that's that's what like it's it's exciting for me and and like you know China kind of had Asia in general had all of those elements of like yeah. unknown like mystery like far away and like you know you can just like really really try a lot of different things and uh, you don't carry that back of like what people will think about you. Uh, mm-hmm. So it kind of gave me that freedom. Like you can like launch different things. You can fail and it didn't matter. Like, you know, just mm. keep, keep going, keep trying and definitely being out of a space that maybe you care too much about what other things, mm. uh, other people think about yourself. Uh, that helped me like, you know, be more confident and, and try more things, even though I was failing at a lot of those things, which is part of the, of the learning process. Right. And that's true. And entrepreneurship is obviously the road less traveled in again. And I don't think we will ever come to that inflection point where, entrepreneurship is going to be more attractive than employment because again of, of how difficult it is but i want to also understand entrepreneurship at the end of the day is all about network building right because again hard work is the bare minimum and hard work does not guarantee success because hard work is the again the common denominator whether you're going to be an employee or an entrepreneur you got to hustle hard but as an entrepreneur also, you have to build a network to at least increase the chances of your success or your business. And I want to understand how you build that network and what businesses you actually put up in China, where again, it's hard to even communicate. And how were you even able to build a network to open up opportunities for those businesses that you eventually put up? Yeah. So I think what I, what I did and what I keep doing is like understand my value. Uh, what's my value proposition? My first steps in China, like, you know, I was buying from China. I was going to all of those factories and doing all of those business. And those were like the new rich. At some point, I know those guys were getting like more educated and they wanted to invest their money. Uh, so I, I started dealing with a lot of uh, factories. And then when they start getting richer, then I they actually started wanting to go back and they saw me as their bridge. Uh, so I saw my value about like being that foreigner that like actually learned the culture, learned the language uh, and is spending time there. Like, so they really appreciated that. And, and that's kind of like the value that I saw. 
And then like, that's how I built my network. Uh, that's how I got to, to mm. very, very important people in China and dealing in real estate. Wow. We actually brought a lot of uh, Chinese investors into the U.S. Uh, we partnered up with a real estate company in Beverly Hills and uh, we set up their Chinese wow. entity. And then we brought in like Chinese developers and uh, did EB5, did a bunch of like super cool things that uh, we built together with another group, a uh, casino in Las Vegas it's called the SLS uh, Casino. We were part of like that EB5 uh, group that brought all these Chinese investors into doing immigration in China and also buying some properties. Uh, so yeah, I think that the network wow. in a place that, that I knew nobody was like, understand your value proposition, be patient, like hard work. And then uh, you get like, mm. you know, one person will take to the next person, the next person until you build your network. And as long as you have something valuable for them and you understand that, you know, they will come back to you. And, and they will be, you know, you will act as a bridge. That was what I really understood about China. I was the bridge. Absolutely. I was trying to bring them back to Latin America, but they were asking for the U.S. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, uh, then let's, let's bring it down to, to California, right? Like that's where most of them wanted to be, uh, buy properties and do some immigration. So, so that's how I, I, I built the network. Uh, similar story for the Philippines. I kind of like look into um, something new uh, and look into the right connections. And that, that actually like, the first big good connection that I had here was uh, in the Philippines was actually Mark because uh, mm. we ended up uh, renting his space. Uh, so yeah, I think that's, that's what I value. Uh, and I wow. think people should follow like, you know, that your value proposition and like, you know, how you're different and, and genuine about what you're offering uh, that will really help you uh, grow your network uh, anywhere in the world. Like, uh, everybody will stop and listen to you when you have something to offer and you have something interesting. And then when you're proposing value to them as well, it's not just that I'm taking, like we're growing together. Uh, and that's, that's, I think was the key for me in, in China, in the Philippines and, and we'll see where else. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, that's the spirit of reciprocity that only entrepreneurship can give because before you even take, you have to give, right? There's a lot of people, uh, especially those ones that really I see succeed, have a mentality towards giving more than taking first. You know, they invest into relationships. It doesn't have to be transactional all the time, but as you nurture that relationship, then eventually it, it, people will reciprocate, your network expands, and magic happens. All right, now let's take our first break, and when we come back, let's talk about how you then created Vraper Startup House. But let's talk about that more after the break. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about... 
up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from a break. We are still with Christian Munoz, uh, who again told us how he was able to blaze the trail that he went from Costa Rica all the way to China and all the way back. Now, I want to understand, how did you end up in the Philippines and how did a Draper startup house opportunity come in? Because as I look at it, again, it started out as a venue for digital nomads to thrive in. And I remember being exposed to this the first time in Bali. Right. And mm. Bali is the haven of all these digital nomads, right? In Ubud or Chiminyak or, you know, Changu, wherever <laughs> you, th- that might be. Again, to be able to have that uh, a good place to work. But I want to understand how you got into the Draper Startup House ecosystem and how you decided then to become a founder for Philippines and Latam and bring that whole Draper Startup House experience over here. Yeah, so my story was like, so I wanted to be 10 years in China and that ended. Uh, so I still wanted to be in Asia. Uh, okay. So my partner, uh, she was applying for a job in the Philippines. Uh, okay. So then she ended up getting that job and I moved into the Philippines because of her. At that point, I still had a company uh, that I was managing and I kind of managed to convince my partners to base the Asia headquarters instead of like China down to the Philippines. Uh, wow. Long story short, we ended up selling that company and then that's when, like, you know, I started having that book about, like, you know, building up my platform. And this is something like Draper Startup House came when I met his founder, Big Ram Barati. At that time, we were called Tribe Theory. As you mentioned, like, you know, a hostel for entrepreneurs, digital nomads started in Singapore 2018. That year was 2019. And there was this tech conference in the Philippines. I think it was like Ignite. Yep, Ignite. Ah, that's why I first saw you. I remember. Yeah, he was a speaker. So Big Ron was a speaker, like actually was flying back from Shanghai that day. I missed the conference and I made it to the after hours, like the the, the cocktail mm, time, which it. is where, where, where things really happen, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I randomly met him, a couple of other like cool, cool guys from the Philippines as well. And like, we totally connected. I was I was telling him about like how I was, I was building that same concept in China. And I just didn't have a lot of time or like I started this other company for, for e-cigarettes and I we launched in a, in a lot of countries. And anyway, I, I set it that up and I was never around when I set it up. So it was not successful. And I was like, well, and then he said like, well, let's do it, man. Let's like, you know, let's do it in China. And I was like, well, I don't live in China anymore. Like, let's do it here. Let's do it in the Philippines. So that's how it started. Then it took me a while to find the location. I was just walking around Publishion. I really wanted to be in Publishion. <laughs> I, I loved that area. I loved the, yeah. the vibe of it. I saw the potential. And I was yeah. just walking like a lost puppy, like asking everybody around, like, hey, do you rent this, your house, you rent this. You know, at that point, it could have been like just a small apartment or like, you know, the, the big building that we ended up uh, moving into. Good thing in you March. found the right location because if you ended up in the wrong turn in, say, Bottoms, and you went in Bottoms, you would have seen something <laughs> something else right <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i, I kind of knew that was not like the sign that we wanted to right. be <laughs> so, yeah back, but, but backwell go to backwell that's that's where it is yeah yeah right. so so it took a while and then you know i was i had like seven real estate agents i was just like mm. you know walking around and getting a- agents and and then you know we finally f- met mark and that was like an instant click you know, he's, he's an amazing guy. Like he really believed in what we're doing. Um, I mean, you, you're very aware of like what Foxman has been helping in the ecosystem. And like him, uh, you know, he could have just taken like any Chinese pogo or like any guys with more money and like, you know, venting out the space. But he really believed in our in our vision and, and what we're building for the Philippines and, and for the world, right? Like we, we're on a long-term mission of enabling 1 million entrepreneurs. But yeah, so then we, we find this, the space. It took 
me a year to find the space and it took me like six months to make it happen right like wow. every building in in that area like typically contractors like it was like a lot of work a lot of things never done those those things mm-hmm. like you know uh dealing with contractors and, and making sure the building was ready so it took a while uh we launched and uh, the pandemic happened uh, but just yeah. before the pandemic happened just because before this uh, we actually get to launch. We actually rebranded from Thrive Theory to Draper Startup House. Uh, we mm-hmm. actually got uh, Tim Draper, uh, who I don't know if uh, you know him, like he's a venture capitalist from 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 Silicon Valley, a third generation a yep. legend in terms of venture capital. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he saw the potential. He saw like you know he he's a visionary and he sees uh, he's always in front of young entrepreneurs. And like he saw us as, as embassies of uh, what he believes in uh, the world of like decentralization, cryptocurrencies, like everything that he stands for. Like he saw like, hey, like these guys are building something cool. Like I want this to be part of like my legacy. And that's that's where like, you know, we we also saw the the potential of like, you know, Bigram as, as the founder. Uh, so, so the value of like the Draper ecosystem and like that's where we rebranded. Uh, we launched January 2020. And mm-hmm. then a uh, couple of cool months, and then uh, we had to close in March 12th right. when Duterte announces, tell us, gave us three days to figure something out and, uh, you know, transition from, from what was our dream and uh, just put it on standby. Uh, you know, we, we still operate the space still like up and running, but obviously like the traveling factor, the things yeah. that we were building for, it wasn't fully built for a, for a pandemic a scenario. Right. But the foundation, the values, the entrepreneurship is all there. Uh, so mm-hmm. even though the traveling side, like digital nomad and everything that you were mentioning at the beginning, sort of like is put on standby, but the whole core about like the education, the core about like making capital more accessible for more entrepreneurs, bringing Silicon Valley closer to uh, everybody around the world, being right. able to get in front of Tim Draper and a lot of uh, mentors from Silicon Valley, which we have done through Draper University and a lot of different ventures that we have bring into the Philippines, you know, have bring access to a lot of TBIs, a lot of entrepreneurs to, you know, get that experience. So yeah, I think that's, that's, that's very meaningful for me. And like, I'm very happy that uh, we did that. And like, you know, I, I think the pandemic actually accelerate us mm-hmm. on that end to make that Absolutely. happen faster. So I'm very grateful about that. Like obviously the rest of the challenges from traveling and everything is, it's something that sucks, but, uh, at the same time, it really opened our eyes to help in, in other ways. And, and I wouldn't say pivot, but complement more about like what we're really building and make it happen faster. Absolutely. And again, that pandemic, uh, the, this pandemic, actually, that pandemic, it's still in the middle of the pandemic, <laughs> either makes you or breaks you. And obviously, everybody's got hit. You know, uh, nobody was really immune to it. And it's just so, sometimes sheer matter of luck also how you're going to be able to pivot digitally if you already had that. But I, I want to understand also from the team concept, because Raper Startup House, again, is not just a concept or an institution that exists here. And you talked about that whole ecosystem thriving together. As a whole institution with all your colleagues also across the world, spread out in Bali, USA, India, and whatnot, how are you able to exchange notes and make all the entrepreneurs within that ecosystem. If your target is a million, that's a big, big target, right? And the only way you can actually achieve that is if you collaborate better. But collaboration just won't cut it sometimes as well. You got to have systems in place to get that done. And that's what I want to find out. Because again, the ones that also thrive in the pandemic easily are the ones that actually had systems in place. Because if you had systems in place, then the programs can flow better. What did you guys do to make that work? Yeah, absolutely. So I think initially, like our plan was the physical locations. Uh, we saw like the spaces because it happened like pre-pandemic, like Singapore was booming, India was booming, Tallinn, Estonia was booming, Bali was booming. You know, that was a new space that it was not available for a lot of entrepreneurs. And like we managed to build this community just by coming to our spaces. I think the digital transformation for us was more bringing on board more of the investor side uh, and mm-hmm. connecting more dots. I think at the beginning was more of like those young backpackers with more than just an idea about like what they wanted to do with their lives. Like we're actually launching a business and they saw us as the space. When the pandemic happened, traveling stopped. Then like, you know, we start doing more of the pitch events. Uh, we still bring in more of the our community. 
Uh, we created the, the Draper Entrepreneur Network on Slack, uh, which is a very active group of entrepreneurs, uh, right. which each of, each of our locations that, uh, you know, builds the community. And this is kind of like the epicenter of all of this community to come and, and like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you're in, in, in the Philippines and you want to launch a business in India, like this is like a space where people can really connect with more uh, European entrepreneurs and leverage on the Draper ecosystem or our locations and our team to help them uh, guide them through. It's just kind of like when you go to a concierge uh, around the world, instead of asking like, where's the best restaurant in town? Like you kind of ask them like, hey, where's the best investor in town? Uh, right. Where's like the best uh, place to do my podcast? Mm-hmm. Uh, where is the the best live streaming app mm-hmm. in the Philippines. So we, we kind of like that concierge that, that happened like in the physical space, but also digitally. And that community was was built very strong. And, and I think that was the fundamentals of the metric that you were talking about. Like, and then how to reach to 1 million entrepreneurs. I mean, to be honest, like we're still in the process of figuring out how to bury Right. Uh, That's a hell of a North Star right, right there. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's hard to quantify it because, uh, you know, there's people like, you know, we stand for like connecting, inspiring and empowering. A lot of people that we inspire, like, you know, we kind of have to keep track of them, like to just kind of like have a, a checklist on our end. Like, you know, this is like entrepreneur number one, entrepreneur number two until we get to one million. Uh, right. So we're starting like to to see the process there. Like we're going to work more on the technology side to be able to quantify that a bit better and be able to inspire more people uh, because that's that's how we go do it and and we're not going to do this alone uh you know the way that we do it is what building a strong network in each of the locations that we have and like mm-hmm. growing together with the community that's mm-hmm. what's going to help us you know we cannot do this alone it's just like a founder or like a general manager or like one piece of just the draper hat like this is something that we built uh with the community and that's how we will get to our 1 million entrepreneur mission. And most of our locations have that. Like, it's very important for us that the first step that you put into one of our locations, that's the first thing, the last thing that you see. And that's what everybody of, of our team sees. And that's, you know, our North Star. That's, that's really that what, you know, wakes us up in the morning and like what gets us excited about. And, and, and you know, it's, it's really changing and transforming people's life through entrepreneurship, which is, is pretty awesome. Got it. So you, you talked about quantifying the 1 million startups, which again is a hell of a North Star. But before we even quantify that, one good determinant of what a company stands for is the metrics that they care about. And I'm curious, in Draper Startup House, I mean, there are definitely a lot of intricacies that each country has. But I'm pretty sure you measure shit that can be uniform across the board. I, I'm just curious, for Draper Startup House, what are the things you measure and what are the things you care about the most in terms of metrics per territory that applies? Yeah. So each, each territory is a different world, right? Like, so each, each of those places have its own founder and yeah. they are, have the, they're empowered and they have the liberty to manage that, the space the way they want it as long as it follows the values and the fundamentals of, of the company. Then how do we measure then it comes to each person? Like we have like a direction from from a founder and like from team itself and other investors there's three north stars besides like the the mission which is the connect empower and inspire Mm -hmm. Uh, so a metric for instance to connect is like you know how many events we do uh every month how many seminars how many Mm -hmm. uh activities we're like making how many networking events how many connections we're making uh, that's, for instance, one of the metrics. Then, if you wanted to empower, like you know, how many minorities, how many uh, people with more disadvantages that we like touching, uh, how many new things that uh, that nobody's been doing before are we doing? Uh, nice. And then that's a way that we quantify it on the way to empower people that maybe don't don't have like most options because they maybe be left behind in in a society that maybe don't don't give them many opportunities. And then the inspiring part, like I think this it's in metrics that through like more more podcasts, like, you know, putting you up go. more companies, talking to more people, like being mentors. Uh, mm-hmm. That's how we, we, we inspiring. Uh, we used to do it quite a bit on our locations and now obviously more digitally, but like some locations still like very active. Uh, like India is it's very inspiring. Like it's a location that is actually very, very active. And unfortunately, uh, lately because of the, the situation, we yeah, we have to bad. slow down a little bit. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, those are some metrics that I, that we we have uh, in place under the, the stars of connect, empower, and inspire. Uh, and and each, each is the beauty of it is like each location is empowered to make their own sort of secret sauce or their own sort of like recipe on how they want to 
uh, manage that. Uh, and then we kind of have like, you know, a guideline of like, you know, uh, as I mentioned, the connecting with events and all of these mm-hmm. things. But, uh, you know, there's nothing really like, it's, we're like thinking out of the box. So whatever new, whatever things are different, like uh, that's what also drove me to create uh, the food incubator that actually uh, Mark also mentioned to you that we've been working together on uh, being able to also connect more food entrepreneurs. And like, this wow. is something that I, that I see very, driven to the Philippines. I think like there were things that we were like kind of like pushing on the tech side. And I, I felt like there were some dots that were missing, but I totally connected when it was about food. Yes. Uh, when it was about beverages, but people like in the Philippines, very similar to Latin America, they love like to get around the community eating and, and being able to, to, you know, everybody, we all have like one family member that is amazing about something that, that they cook. And they yep. just didn't have the opportunity to do this in publishing, right? Like this is so expensive. And like even pre-pandemic, like we were building this, uh, you know, setting uh, a space for these uh, titas, for these like farmers market, Salcedo, right. Legaspi ladies, or like, you know, the food entrepreneurs to, to have a space to be able to, to launch something and try. Uh, I think that clicks the three boxes of like connecting, empowering, inspiring, uh, same as, as, as Draper Startup House itself. So yeah, those are like, the ways that uh, that we quantified and like we have the liberty to build on top of this and we want all of the people that work with us to build on top of this platform and all of mm-hmm. our guests to build on top of this platform and it's a proven platform like what i said um if you won't be able to scale this across the region or around the world if it's not a platform that works all right now let's take our last break and when we come back let's now pay it forward to entrepreneurs who again want to follow and want to learn from you christian let's talk about that more after the break Hey Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode You should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter As you grow your own startup Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level As you grow your employees And this bundle is your key to freedom Including payroll outsourcing to experts A subscription to timekeeping and attendance software And government compliance services Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTime deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. 
As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust DragonPay. And we're back from the break. We're still with Christian Munoz again. Now told us how he was able to bring Raper Startup House, uh, how they were able to pivot and adjust in the middle of the pandemic, right smack when they were just able to launch. But now I want to find out what it would take to pay it forward to our listeners right now. Um, one thing that I really want to drill down on is your ability to, again, adapt into a totally new environment and kill it there. You know, it's hard. Man, like for me, I can't imagine myself going to an alien country, zero network, zero nothing, and still thrive, right? It's going to be virtually impossible. Because again, there are things that are falling into place perfectly here in the Philippines, which is, again, hometown, home court, that, you know, might not be present in another country. If you, you threw me in, say, you threw me in Jamaica, Randomly, I would not thrive at all, probably, right? Uh, or I think you do very well. I think you, yeah, yeah, but in, in different things, Shaman. <laughs> I would have a totally different startup. <laughs> it's not even a there you are. That's, that's still that's still a startup. Still, but again, there are things that are perfectly in place for me to thrive here, and that's what I like about what you always do. You always seem to find those good opportunities. So that, that's what I wanted to ask you about. How do you spot the opportunities that seems that you can maximize all the time? Because again, everybody sees that in plain sight. Everybody can be looking at the same thing, but you seem to make the most out of these uh, opportunities in front of you. What's your MO or what's your, your method in maximizing that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this is like depends on, the, I mean, first thing is like self-awareness. I think it's very important for all of us as an entrepreneur, like if, if this is like, you know, my my pad is something that probably just apply for me and like you know maybe other people don't enjoy like this part of like eating shit right like being in the new place and starting from scratch and like the difficulties and all of this uh, so i think like the main thing is like self-awareness uh understand like you know what this is for you and like you know if you're good at it uh if you're not good at it like what kind of skills you need to develop and then like going back to the pay it forward part like i think a lot of the things that i develop or new I, I just knew by doing uh, I'm mm. like one of those like street entrepreneurs uh, yep. and China was the perfect school for that like you know there's so many learnings that it moves so fast like you know you get copied all the time that's when we really knew that we made it when we launched our first like e-commerce platform we had like these brands and they start copying us and like you know we saw those factories making our products this is where that was my diploma from China this is like right and like doing I actually went there to do my master's but that was like the real diploma when they right. actually like start copying it as like, that's when you know, like you're building something special. And then uh, Draper Startup House is the space that, uh, you know, all of those things that I learned by hitting my head against the wall is one of those spaces that I want to mentor and like be able to save people's time, money uh, with the experiences and and be that mentor. And, and, and I'm not uh, yet a mentor, like still working on myself, educating sure. myself and uh, spending a lot of money into having different coaches and mentors to, to make me better sure. and being able to pay it forward in a more meaningful way. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's what drives me in the, in, in, and I'm passionate about Drip Startup House uh, is how we build in this space. So when you go to Jamaica, 
and you want to like, you know, either have a good time or even you want to launch that startup that you just mentioned, like, you know, you will stay with us and like, you know, we able to connect the dots for you. Uh, so you can come even like, you know, coming from China to Jamaica, uh, you don't speak English, you don't speak, you don't know anybody. And like, you, we should be able to at least like guide you and, and like, you know, connect some dots uh, instead right. of like taking a couple of years of your life to figure those things out, uh, which is, which is also like important, right? Like we just want to, not just make it easier, but like give you the tools uh, and the learnings that uh, you need. You know, I see this all the time when we were taking young entrepreneurs or first-time entrepreneurs and, and joining the fundamentals of entrepreneurship with Draper University. Like I see what they're going through and I, I, it's just like so nice when you can see how you can save them two, three years of their life as an entrepreneur. Yep. You can really connect them, like guide them and say like, hey, this is what you need to do. They need to walk the path, right? Like as a mentor, like a guide, like you just don't hold their hands and walk beside them. You just show them the door, take the red or the blue pill and yep. it's up to them to, to follow that that path. Yep. So yep. I think that's that's a way that we're paying it forward. And that's what we, and me personally, like are, are doing to accomplish that um, and what drives us all right that's that's amazing and that's true because at the end of the day again no matter how much hand holding you can do the entrepreneur needs to jump off the cliff and build the plane before he hits the ground because if you don't hit that uh or make that plane work or get that plane to work sorry but just like us and just like me you're gonna be dead but the, th- the thing about uh startups again always is your last try does not define you, right? It, it, it's just another notch on your belt that you can just put in and it's up to you if you want to learn uh, from it and persist or you're going to take a detour and try something else. And that's what I wanted to ask you next because you always, again, maximize the opportunity, but I want to talk about the dark stuff. You know, pretty sure you hit some pretty massive walls where um, doubt creeps in. It's like, what the fuck am I doing here in China? I want to go back home. Right. <laughs> this is not worth it. But I want to understand as an entrepreneur, one of the biggest traits that I, I, I always see is that it's lonely, but you have to persist to even get to where you want to be or just give yourself a chance to where you want to be. I want to know how you did that because I'm pretty sure you hit multiple walls, especially when you felt that you weren't making progress. Right? How did you persist through and what kept you going? Yeah, I mean, definitely it's very lonely. I think like your friends, your family and, and everybody's there to support you. But sometimes, most of the times they probably don't get it and don't want to like see you go through this pad, right? Because it's, it's, it looks like you're destroying yourself, right? Like you're doing yep. something that you're always like putting yourself into trouble. You're always like uh, having like a difficult time. Uh, so yeah, it is, it is like, as I mentioned, like, you know, something that you need to be prepared and have that self-awareness that this is what you want to do and like have the patience, have the perspective. I think perspective helped me a lot through the hard times, you know, just remember those small wins. Visualization helps me when I'm very, very down uh, when everything seems that is wrong. Like I always like visualize, you know, where I want to be with the people that I want to be. And and not just like, that doesn't just mean like printing, like whoever you admire, and put it yep. in, top, in front of your bed, but it's actively doing something towards that pad. And like, you know, day to day, like visualize that, uh, see it. And, and like, you know, eventually it will come through. Eventually it will come through. And that's what at least helped me going through those, uh, you know, really, very difficult times. Then you feel like everybody's conspiring against you, like yep. the market and everything is wrong. Until after like, you know, a couple of uh, punches in the face and the stomach. And like, you know, yep. when you feel like you're almost, on that round, you cannot get up. Uh, you start seeing the perspective of things. And, you know, the older you get, the more you've been on the floor, the more perspective you gain and and and, and the better you see, like, this is like an experience that I'm learning until you, I eventually, you know, will be success, whatever that means for, for, for everybody. It could be monetary. It could be like, you know, just as I mentioned, like being copy in China for some right. people being able to launch a brand, being like mm-hmm. every major platform, Taobao, Tmall, uh, JD. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's the main way that I sort of overcome those dark situations. And, and as you were mentioning, like I was very, very alone on that sense, like being like in a foreign country, like so far away uh, and, and the language, the culture. So that really makes you tougher and stronger and, and, and you definitely thinking about the 
the future and the vision and the perspective really helps you go through those difficult uh, paths. Uh, if you have other people like that are going through the same uh, process and entrepreneurs, like that really helps a lot. Relying on the community really helps a lot. Like that's something that I actually didn't have at that time. But like, I think the more that I'm starting to talk about the more entrepreneurs and like the challenges that they go through and the mental health issues that they're going through, like, you know, relying on others and being able to even talk about the problems yeah. and the issues and what they're going through is really, really, really helpful. Uh, that's something that I guess, like, I wish I had uh, at that time. And, and, and I'm trying to, to be there for some of, of, of the people that I encounter that are going through those difficult mm-hmm. times. That's true. Again, it's hard, especially if, if you're going through those dark valleys that we're talking about and you didn't have that support system. You're lucky if you have someone who you can actually have a, as a sounding board to listen because sometimes we actually just know what we need to do and we just need to let it out. But if you didn't have that ready audience who can actually listen and number two, who can even empathize of what you're going, that makes it doubly tough because it's not just a matter of like, hey, you random person, I'm going to tell you my, my entrepreneurial <laughs> shit. It doesn't matter because you're probably going to get a stupid ass advice as well because they'll just say that, yeah, you can do it. Like, dude, it also matters that the sounding board actually understands what the fuck you're doing. That's where the mentorship also comes in, right? Because it, no matter where you are in your startup journey, you will always hit a wall again. And that feeling of falling that never goes away because <laughs> it's just a matter of when you're going to get hit again or when you're going to go almost to the 10 count. What matters is how each and every time you get smacked in the face and you think that's it, you get back up. And sometimes you need a hand or majority of the time you need a hand to get back up and, tell, and dust yourself up and then, all right, let's go one more, right? Just yeah. like Captain America, <laughs> I can do this all day kind of thing. So that's amazing. Yeah, but it, it, it's tough, right? Because it's, it's really hard. Like, I think like we as humans, like typically it's uh, very difficult to communicate those things. I mean, we, we live yeah. in a space that uh, we see uh, everybody celebrating wins. Like nobody right. talks about their defeats. Nobody posts when they're like, you know, like hustling to even pay for like electricity or when they don't yeah. uh, able to pay the rent. Uh, everybody's just talking when they like hit whatever uh, targets they're doing and like nobody really talks about like the downs which is what gets to the ups and and that's that's something that is very important for for people to understand like you know it's not all about like what you see on social media all of those wins it's, it's mostly about the downs there's definitely more downs it's a highlight reel social media is a highlight reel yeah 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 that's what i love about like those authentic like kumo i'm super ex- passionate about like how authentic and like how people right. really are how real they are because you know it's sort of like something new they don't feel like there's more patterns about like Instagram and those other places where the, there seems to be already like a cookie cutter sort of like pattern. But yeah, that's something that I, I think like for mental health, it's important to, to discuss. And uh, it's hard to find, like not everybody talks about it and nobody also leaves, lends you a hand uh, to, to overcome that. Like some, some mentors do, some investors do. Um, so that, that's something that, uh, that is very important. I, I, I'm new to like actually being mentored. Like I always sort of like was, um, Autodidact, how to say, like learn right. by myself and now something that I invest in a lot of money into. And that's something that I was like very curious about, like the Philippines, you know, like people really value that and they seem to have that mentor image. And, and I think that's very, very important for entrepreneurship. Like if you find the right mentor yeah. and you find the right person and like you as a mentor, like also find the people, like the right mindset and help them when they want to really be helped, right? Sometimes they just like maybe in a different space and, and probably they need something else. But uh, but I, I really like admire that the Philippines followed that pattern and, and, and I see some of the successful cases, like they have like a very strong mentor, uh, especially in a, in a younger ecosystem where like a lot of people are going through like the first right. uh, hustle, the first company, the second, the third, right? Like uh, it's it's still like new for most of the people, at least that I've seen. Like, I mean, you're an expert on this. You This is the right. interview number, what, like 200. So talk to a lot of like entrepreneurs and, and, and you can, you know, be a better judge about like how uh, still early stage this is and how important it is to have somebody that could guide you show you the, the doors and like you be the one who crossed those those doors. Correct. And actually pull you up if you fall. That's why it's important that you have mentors and you also have good role models that don't just show you the bright stuff, you know, because it's easy to show you the bright stuff. Oh, shit, we're going to have this. You're going to have all these things if you win. 
But a good mentor, and this is a benchmark of what I like, because I, I do have mentors that are like this, that it's it kind of sad sometimes that I only run to them when I hit, hit a wall. But a good mentor will always be there to walk mm. you through, okay, you hit yourself in the fucking face again. Or this is how you do it. And then you, you dust you up. <laughs> they pull you up. And only a person that have been through that fucking shithole can actually walk you through. And in this ecosystem, there are a lot. Actually, probably a, a couple of handful that have tasted their own blood, you know, lost a tooth or two, but persisted. And those are the type of mentors that you don't just pick their brains for strategy. You also pick their, your, their brains and their hearts on how to push forward and how to persist. Again, that's amazing. All right. Now, Christian, again, as much as I want to talk more, thank you very much again for joining us on Hustle Share. But before I let you go, please invite people over on what they can get next on Draper Startup House. And if they want to collaborate and work with you, how do they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can look us into major social medias, DSH uh, Manila. Uh, that's for our Manila, Philippines location. Uh, we're actually looking into expanding, by the way. Like we've been looking into Shargao. I actually have a very cool guide, like looking into some properties there and like see what's, what's up for, for Shargao. But like if any of you guys like happen to have a space uh, or want to be part of like, you know, our journey as entrepreneurs and uh, setting up, um, building, helping the ecosystem in the Philippines, either if it's in La Union, in El Nido, in Shargao, uh, Iloilo, Mindanao, like, you know, we, we look forward to connect with you guys. Like we want to expand our footprint in the Philippines. Uh, so yeah, contact us, DSH Manila, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all the usual suspects. Uh, hopefully soon we get to launch uh, our local podcast uh, here in the Philippines. I've uh, been working on it, wanted to work on it uh, for some time. And uh, yeah, yeah, please, please do. And uh, thanks, thanks Ron and uh, the team for, for this uh, time and get to, you know, share a little bit of what our journey has been in, in the Philippines and my personal journey in, in, in life. All right. Thanks. No worries. And again, glad to have you on the show. But before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever. And if we did say some jargon, it's going to be in the show notes on hustleshare.com. If you want to be part of our small little community as well, it's going to be in the hustleshare community on Facebook. And lastly, if you want to suggest a guest to us, message us in our chatbot.m.me slash hustleshare powered by chatbot. Again, Christian, thank you very much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All righty. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.